McCartney. Welcome, Paul. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. Sanremo, Italia. Okay, guys. Yeah. Picking up scales and broken cords, puppy dog tails in the House of Lords. Tell me, darling, what can it mean? Making up moons in a minor key What are those tunes gotta do with me? Tell me, darling, where have you been? Pleasure. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, goodbye, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. And remember, this is widescreen podcasting. This is widescreen podcasting. Of course, I'm your host, Sam Wiles, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Today, everyone, I'm oh so excited to bring you this conversation, and it's not with any Tom, Dick, or Harry. It's one where the longest of long-term fans of this podcast will have to cast their minds back to the very earliest days of the show. I know some of you who listen now tend to start at the beginning and work your way forwards. So the majority of you should have some idea who this guy is, and if you don't, why not? Because this guy really is of significant import to this show, you know. Without this guy, you know, the show would not have been born and grown in the same way. You know, his influence cannot be underestimated. And of course, who is this great person? Of course, it is Luca Perazzi. Luca was the very first guest I ever had on this podcast where we talked about his first book. He was also the first author I had on the show. And his presence on the podcast and how well our first chat went and how it inspired me to go on to speak to other authors like Howard Soons and Paul Zanoy and that inspired me to speak to other people and you know cast my net wider and wider and become more and more ambitious. You know That influence cannot be underestimated. It really cannot. And, you know, he really validated me. So it means a lot to me that he's here today. But also his book, the actual text that we spoke about, Paul McCartney, The Recording Sessions 1972 to 2013, has been a foundational text for the podcast. Again, especially in those early days. Because as long as I've been doing this show, and as long as I'll be covering material up to 2013, it will be a constant go-to source of reference and inspiration when it comes to writing each episode of the, of the show and about each of these songs. And because of that, I'm completely indebted to Luca. Then, when I found out he had a new book, I was very excited indeed, as I hadn't had a good excuse to get him back on the show, you know, since like a weird little bonus episode we did. So you can only guess how even more excited and jubilant I was when he actually contacted me first about doing this chat, along with the promise of a free copy of the book. Always the perfect icing on the cake. Of course, that new book that I have here right now is Paul McCartney, Music Is Ideas, The Stories Behind the Songs, Volume 1, 1970 to 1989, and it is a behemoth of a work. Now, you may be thinking, that sounds awfully similar to the recording sessions, and yes, folks, we are going to get into that in this conversation. It is definitely an expansion of a lot of the material in that first book, and it owes a great debt to it, but as you'll come to learn, it is a completely new beast indeed. And unlike, say, that first book, Recording Sessions, in Paul McCartney, Music Is Ideas, you will get access to an unparalleled level of coverage here. Everything he's ever done musically 
1972 to 1989 is covered in exquisite detail, giving you everything you could ever want from these songs. And I guarantee that, that there's plenty inside for both new fans and old ones alike. Also, just going back through the edit that I just did, I do want to take a, a quick moment to point out how strong the actual content of the book is, a.k.a. the actual song review, song analysis, etc. And, yeah, folks, I just want to really emphasise that the song-by-song song examination is as strong, as poignant, and as devourable as ever. It, you know, you really do just want to speed your way through this book and read about every single song. It, it really does inspire quick reading in that way. And, you know, in many ways, it's improved from recording sessions as well. Things that were not covered before are covered again. Uh, things are expanded upon as well. There, there is definitely new stuff about old songs that were in that last book. And you just get pound for pound more than any other similar book can offer. You know, you get the album and single tracks and then loads of bonus and unreleased tracks along with all the best and most relevant facts, stories, quotes about them. It's all here and it's all awesome. You know what, folks? Luke is the goat. He really is. He's a real sweetheart, as you will hear. We have a great rapport and he's incredibly learned on the topics at hand. You know, he really did teach me a few things even in this conversation making him easily one of the best people to chat Beatles and McCartney with. You know, I really enjoyed this one. And I hope this chat does persuade you to go out and buy his book because no one writes about Paul and his music the way Luca does. And as cliche as this sounds, I hope you had as much fun listening to this episode as I had making it. It's been like half a decade since we last spoke, but like the best of friends, it felt like he'd hardly been away at all. Also, just before we kick into the gear, folks, Luca does drop one hell of a reference to Tom Waits towards the end of this episode, and I didn't take the time to pick him up on it. I really wish I had, but you know me. I did a Tom Waits podcast down in the hole, and so if any of you listening know if Luca is correct about that, please drop me an email. So anyway, yeah, without wasting any more time, folks, because this, this is a fun one. Here is my conversation with Luca Perazzi discussing his new book, Paul McCartney, Music is Ideas, The Stories Behind the Songs, Volume 1, 1970 to 1989. Okay, everyone, we're now in the live portion of the show, and that can only mean it is time for me to bring on today's guest. And in many ways, folks, I'm not being ridiculous here. He's truly one of the most special guests possible. In many ways, he was one of the very first people to validate this show with his presence and... I'm just very excited. I really am. Uh, back in the early days of this podcast, he was the very first guest I ever had. He's an extremely accomplished journalist, Beatles author, Paul McCartney author, and with his book, Paul McCartney, The Recording Sessions, 1970-2013, he is universally recognised now as one of the best solo Beatle authors that you can buy from. And funnily enough, he has returned with something for you to buy. He has returned with a vengeance with a new book for us today, it is called Paul McCartney, Music Is Ideas, The Stories Behind the Songs, Volume 1, 1970 to 1989. And my guest today is none other than Luca Parazzi. Luca, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back after, I think, five years or something like that. Last time was around uh, 2017. So, yeah, uh, good, uh, good to see you this time and uh, good yeah, to be back with a new book. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like half a decade ago. I think we also had a random chat about wings at the speed of sound randomly. Yeah. That that was fun. I'm, and I'm glad you remember that because I doubt many of my audience do. That was a very random episode that was. But yeah, this is really overdue. I'm so glad to have you back. And we've got a great excuse to talk here today because we have, just quickly show for the Patreon viewers at home, we have Paul McCartney, Music is Ideas, the stories behind the songs, volume one, 1970-1989. Thank you very much for the copy, by the way. But before we sink our teeth into an incredible book, folks, go out and buy it right now. I just want to have a little chat about a couple of things that have happened since our last conversation. Most notably, we've had two studio albums by Paul McCartney that have hit the shelves. And it's also been long enough for us to kind of formulate uh, some more specific opinions, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you about Egypt Station and McCartney 3. Generally, how's Paul doing with his last two records? I think great. Uh, I like both albums. Um but I can tell you a little bit more about what, what happened to me because when a McCartney album uh, is out in Italy, they ask to me to review it, all right? Of course. <laughs> By chance. And uh, so uh, in the case of Egypt Station, something strange happened because they, they just gave me two days to review it, just the weekend which is something I, I would never accept uh, in the future because it's uh, it's not a space of time that's suitable to uh, you know get accustomed to to an album properly. So what happened was that after only two days, I, I couldn't understand. I could not understand really the the strengths of this album, and so my my review was quite mixed uh, okay. at the beginning. Uh, something that didn't happen with McCartney 3, which I like very much. And I had uh, two weeks from Universal to um, have a pre-listen. I got files from Universal and two weeks to listen to the album. So really, I, I listened to it a lot of times. And that's the way I think it makes sense to um, listen to a pop album and to to form your ideas about uh, about uh, any uh, piece of work. So that said, uh, I like both. I think that they are very different. But uh, yeah, Egypt Station is it's a sort of very stylish, full of uh, grandiosity to to some extent. There are great melodies and well produced. And on the other side, McCartney Three is uh, uh, simpler. It's uh, you know, uh, except for one track, he, he played all, all the instruments as uh, <laughs> as we know he is capable to do, and so I like both because they they are two different albums that go to the extremes to some extent. Mm-hmm. So I'm perfectly fine with both. I found with McCartney three, my opinion has stayed exactly the same, which is I adore the album. I think maybe. There are only two mediocre at worst tracks on it. The rest are all absolute hits for me. I, you know, and you know the fact that the final track was recorded on the day I was born is pretty fun as well. I think it was the same day Great Day was recorded as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with Egypt Station, I've slowly come to accept that I pretty much don't like about half the album. I think one half is some of the best stuff he's ever done. Like Dominoes and Happy With You could go on any McCartney album. They are absolute classics. But I get that White Album, What If, in my head. Like, What If Egypt Station was just 
a single disc and more so than the white album i find it easier to make those cuts and i think the fact that i'm able to make those cuts at all speaks volumes mm-hmm. i still love egypt egypt station as much as any other mccartney album but um so it took it took some time it took some time to to appreciate are you saying no to depreciate at first i, I was, ah, I was yeah. in love with it okay um, okay okay but it was my first Paul McCartney album as a Paul McCartney podcaster and all of that. So mm-hmm. I was excited and I got caught up in it. I got it on vinyl, you know. And the weird thing with me and McCart- uh, with uh, Egypt Station, sorry, is uh, when I listened to it on streaming, because mm-hmm. I promised myself I'd listen to it on vinyl first, but I broke that promise within a few hours of waking up. Uh, it was on Spotify. And I didn't know I'd put it on shuffle. And I thought People Want Peace was the very first song. And if okay. you actually listen to it as the first track, Okay. It kind of actually works as the perfect opening okay. song for that for that album. Make a playlist for yourself. It, it, you know, the way it starts with that quiet like doom 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 and then the ladies and gentlemen. It's like, oh, okay, uh, this is this is the opening track. It made it made sense. And then I was quite embarrassed to find out that that was not the case. Um though come <laughs> on to me probably should have been the the opening track rather than I don't know. I think there are some really nice tracks like uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know, it's um Probably my favorite. Then, from the other side, I, I think that the album is a little bit too long. If, yeah. I, if I can um, tell uh, tell you this, it's a little bit too long, and probably for you, it's a little bit out of place. I okay. see what I see what he was he was aiming to do, and I think it's a as a pop track is a great track, but. Within the context of the album, it seems a little bit out of place to my ears, at least. So I would have uh, put it out as a single, as a standalone single, and that's it. Yeah. It's fantastic as a if you if you take this song and put it in a in a commercial, it's well. Mm. I think it's it works. It works because it's a it's like a patchwork of uh, of you know of uh, choruses, something like that. Mm. It's it's incredible. It's not easy to to write something like that but it seems to me a little bit uh not in line with the with the rest of uh of the album and the fact that it was produced or co-produced by by ryan tether uh makes sense it's a different track but yeah. within the flow of the album maybe gives you that uh that feeling yeah i mean you could have just released all the ryan tether stuff as a separate ep and just had greg kirsten do all of the station that would have been quite interesting I don't know what would have happened with all the tracks that got released after, because you could have had, like, you know, um, what's it? Uh, there was a time at the docks. Uh, it was that EP. Are uh, you talking about uh, uh, Get Enough? Get Enough? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That will be edited together to be much more smooth at a later date, but the people at home will have seen me completely lose any sense of professional credibility there. But, yeah, I'm glad you like Egypt Station and McCartney 3. It's nice to see that McCartney in his older age is not only doing good work but he's also being recognized for it i feel like in your part two you're going to have this very fun moment where you actually get to start writing about mccartney being appreciated again i mean it'll probably start in 96 ish with flaming pie but who knows maybe you know in your research there'll be evidence that it was in in 93 it was really turning you know uh, yeah, I think if we if we can if we follow the the critical acclaim that uh, that McCartney had uh, throughout the years, well, uh, the beginning was was hard. 
Uh, and the seventies were were hard, and also the eighties were they were not so nice <laughs> with him. <laughs> yeah. Then things changed, and uh, fortunately, but I think well, thanks to to works and documentaries and books that are out now. Uh, at some point, uh, many people will will be able to recognize how great this career is. It's not. It's still not easy going out of the shadow of the Beatles, you know, for Paul, it's not easy. But I think this career will will be will be rewarded in, in years to come more and more. So that, that that's why we're here. <laughs> I can't wait till Press to Play is number one in the UK again with a big re-release that everyone's everyone's looking forward to it. All because Jay-Z sampled footprints on a new album that got a new traction or something like that, you know, uh, weird, <laughs> weirder things happen in fiction. Now let's move on to something that I'm really excited to talk about. And this is all of your interactions with the big company behind Paul since we last spoke. The first of which was a kind of offhand encounter. You were mentioned in the accompanying booklet to the wildlife archive collection. Did you know that was going to happen? Can you tell me what that was like? No. I didn't know that, and I must tell you this uh, this little story. Uh, I was waiting for these two albums um, to be released. At, uh, that was December 2018. And so I placed my orders, uh, so the big box of... Big uh, box. And so in one of the forums that I, that I follow, there was uh, one guy that contacted me privately and said, because he received uh, the wildlife uh, set... I think a, a couple of days before, probably for some strange reason, some markets are allowed to have uh, these sets one or two days before. And so he sent me um, a private message that said, "Do you know that you are, are you are quoted in in the in the wildlife book?" So uh, that that changed my my evening. <laughs> that changed <laughs> some of the days that <laughs> that uh, that followed. And so I didn't know. I didn't know. They 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 caught me off guard. <laughs> and so obviously I have bought a second set, <laughs> especially for for this reason of wildlife. So I got a I got a special set of wildlife that I want uh, all uh, only for myself. Yeah. So that was really really um, an incredible thing to see. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's uh, an accomplishment for for that book. Uh, so that there was a there was a big moment, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, not that you do these books for you know validation from MPL or anything like that. But as an author, who I mean, you worked on your last book for like ten years. You worked on this book for God knows how many years. It's a nice little reward, I guess, to validate what you've been doing and show that. Not only are you being recognized by the public, but you're being recognized by the private as well, by the big guys themselves. Well done. Well done, Luca. It's yeah, so cool. thank you. No, no, it's it, it's an incredible thing. I mean, as you were saying, it, it's not something that you do for this reason. You do these things for passion because you like uh, doing, you like, in this case, McCarthy's music and stuff. So I, I never conceived it as something that one day could be could be there, but... When it happens, it's, it makes sense. I remember I sent a couple of copies of this book to 
to someone there. I can't remember who was, but uh, yeah, I think they used this 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 copies <laughs> well, <laughs> and so that was it. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. It's just so cool. I mean, I mean, I'm someone who kind of secretly desires some recognition like even from just like say the paul mccartney twitter page that would be a wonderful thing for me for yeah. example uh that's a very generational thing i want to be recognized on twitter by paul mccartney <laughs> uh, cross off fingers. who knows 100 percent. i mean i always see people in comment sections on forums and on facebook groups when people think that paul mccartney is going to be involved in this facebook page or be actually reading his twitter comments it's it's very humbling. It's an it's such a lovely thought to think that Paul McCartney would be there just on his phone, scrolling yeah, through, yeah. <laughs> liking a thousand likes. You know. Yeah. Moving on from that, we then have your first official collaboration, I believe, which is the translation of Paul McCartney the lyrics into Italian. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So that's another nice story. I think that was uh, around uh, February. 2021, when I first saw the news about this book uh, coming out, so I contacted uh, I contacted uh, a journalist, a friend of mine, which is a quite an important journalist in Italy, and so he got in touch with uh, with the publisher because he he have he had translated way back uh, uh, Revolution in the Head and Anthology, okay. so it's it's a big name in in Italy. And so we are friends from, uh, well, since 10 or 12 years. Uh, and so he knows that I'm a big uh, McCartney fan and stuff. So, so he got in touch with the publisher. And in a, in a few days, we were contracted for doing the translation. So that was it. And so we started translating in March 2021. And we delivered in July 2021. I have done the full first translation so i have translated the whole book and then he he went on on my on my translation and and uh did some edits some some correction or or, or he looked at what what was in so that was it and it was an incredible experience sam i think it's uh it's a very powerful one it's a very emotional one there were a couple of moments where I have to admit I, I cried a bit because there are some sentences or some some stuff there where Paul is is talking about his father, his mother. It's it's a big responsibility to to be a translator of Paul McCarthy's words. So I was very thrilled and very honored. And I think uh the 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 big thing is that I can boast the fact that I am co-author with McCartney because when it's a translation it's McCartney and it's Paul McCartney and Luca Perazzi and, and Franco Zanetti who is the, the other translator so that that's not something I can still believe I mean but that was a blast I mean uh, translating this book was was hard but at the same time was easy because it was so so rewarding yeah well so, I mean it's really cool that you were proactive enough to go out there and kind of get yourself hired. I think that's the coolest part of the story more than more than the fact that you actually did it was the fact that it wasn't because like if it was a fairy tale story of they contacted you, oh dear Luca Perazzi, we at MPL love you so much, we want you to do this. That would be a nice story. That would be very rewarding, I guess. But 
I think your story's way cooler. <laughs> you went to the hustled MPL. It's like that's my kind of guy. I love it. That's great. That's the truth. But but this happened. This happened in the in the following step <laughs> when MPL contacted me. Really, <laughs> were there any problems with translating? A lot of McCartney-isms and words from the McCartney vocabulary, like, you know, what do you call the dustbin lid from the other me? You know you, you know what I mean? Is, is there a direct translation for that? I can't really remember. Yeah. What we did in some spots uh, was to leave some parts in, in English where you have to, to couple both Italian and English, otherwise you cannot understand what's a word play. I mean, if you don't have the, the English text, you cannot really uh, make people understand about a wordplay. So in some cases, we, we, we do not have translated it. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember, but we, we, we left something in English because it, it made no sense to, to translate it in Italian because you, you lose everything at this point. No, it was... It was not particularly hard, uh, but at the same time, uh, it's based on conversations. So there's a, there's a lot going on. And if you, even though you, as in my case, you know English, mm-hmm. uh, you, can, you can speak, you can write, you can understand, but it's a different language. It's written in, in a, with different rules compared to Italian. Uh, I make uh, this... Um, this um, little example in Italian, if you repeat the same word in over two or three rows, something like that, even at school, they tell you, okay, you're not, you're not writing that good. You know, you're not, you're not that good in writing. You know, I see that English is more allowed to, to have maybe the same word repeated a little bit more compared to Italian. And so you got to decide what to do in these cases because uh, the thing is that these are Paul McCarthy's words, so you got to be very faithful to these words. So that's what we tried to do. So we didn't change much. We didn't change much. We thought there was the best uh, way to translate Paul McCarthy's word in a faithful way, and that's what we did. Well, I mean, you're gonna have to like translate the word "great" about. 800 times a minute if, if it's just Paul talking. You know, he was just being like, yeah, that was great, you know, and then um, and then me and John went over there and that was great as well. You know? <laughs> it just comes with the territory. And, like, you know, I don't know how you'd ever translate, like, a title like Lunchbox Odd Socks when Odd Socks is not a word and it's also spelled incorrectly as not a word. So, like, you just have to leave that title intact, I imagine. I don't know if uh, if this is um, clear to everybody, but in the case of translations of, of of this of the lyrics, obviously the the lyrics of the songs were not translated. That was not the task, mm-hmm. but only the accompanying text. Yes, not the lyrics themselves. That's that's another that's another kind of work. Maybe for next time, but this time they they didn't ask to to translate any of the lyrics because I mean. To me, it doesn't make sense. It's uh, you lose you lose the poetry that's there yeah. that is there or, or, or everything. So only the accompanying text. No, I'm, you know the rhyming schemes wouldn't work. In the, you know, yeah, it would. It, it sounds like it would be much more just like spoken word poetry set to music rather than a melodic yeah. piece. That totally makes sense. Yeah. 
And uh, finally, before I start plugging this book for you shamelessly, I would like to talk about your work on the McCartney 7-inch singles box set. Our last episode, actually, was our first deep dive into that set. But please talk yeah. to me about this. No. I, 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 I was going through Twitter again. Luca Perazzi, like, oh, he's done it again. How did you do it this time? Okay, so in this case, MPL contacted me. That's the truth. And and why they contacted me? Because of the work on lyrics, on the lyrics. There were some instances where I have uh, spotted some, well, minor errors or, or something like that. Like, just just a, a quick example. In the book, there, there, there's a section with the, with the data of the song that's... Uh, era release the album where it was first released and in the case of uh she's given up talking which is a song from driving rain mm-hmm. the album was it was written chaos and creation in the backyard okay so that was this <laughs> wow. little thing and said so, okay so i i have took notes and and so we corrected in the italian version but we we also said okay we we have spotted this thing so have have them corrected also in the international version okay then it goes out in the us and then the uk and stuff so so and that's why they contacted me so they were impressed and they were favorably impressed by by this kind of thing so at some point in february early february 2022 they contacted me about this project that was obviously a top secret one they said uh, they asked if I was interested, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course I am. And so, um, yeah, we had, uh, they sent me a document. Uh, I, I have signed a disclosure, non-disclosure agreement, uh, all this kind of uh, of things that we we had a call with the team of MPL at some point. But that was a quick one because uh, I think uh, we completed uh, everything over two weeks. So I got to check all the, all the sources, all the all the data about the songs, you know, producer, recordings, something like that. And then over two weeks, it was it was uh, completed. So it was the most incredible experience I've ever had. I must admit. Uh, I remember I worked uh, most of the time uh, over one weekend doing something like. 20 hours of work or something like that over over a week, a single weekend. But it was so incredibly rewarding, you know. I mean, it was probably the first time that I have done something working, but without being tired. You know, at the end of the day, you, you usually you work and you are tired. I wasn't. And I, I, I tell you, I, I have done... Uh, an incredible number of hours, you know, concentrated in in two days. Uh, I, I was I wasn't even tired. It was so incredible, and I must tell you that uh, when I was twenty or something like that, I, I was talking to my then girlfriend. I said, you know, I got a dream. I got a dream, and it's to have my name on a Paul McCartney's record. And that happened. <laughs> that happened with this seven inches single box because i got my name <laughs> on the booklet and so sam what i what i can tell you more it's uh it's great i mean it's <laughs> great. 
And that's it. I don't, I don't know what to add. <laughs> oh, my. Mind blown. It. Mind absolutely blown there, everyone. Uh, how does one even respond to that? Congratulations on fulfilling a dream. That's uh, Thank you. That's something that no one can ever, ta- can ever take away from you now. You've, so you've got your name in two oh. album booklets. You've got your name next to Paul as an author on, on another book. But hey, maybe even in 10 years, you could sue and like make it Parazzi McCartney like he did with, with John. So like you could give him a taste of his own medicine there. That'd be very fun. The last, uh, the last little thing is that uh, I have met the MPL team uh, in oh. Solo Square last uh, September. Oh. Okay. Because we, we, we were in touch in the following month and I said just okay, I'll be in London at some point. So I, I would like to meet you because we, we work together. It, it's it's really a team effort, you know. It sounds quite obvious when you when you when mm-hmm. you talk about teamworks and all this stuff that <laughs> is so popular <laughs> everywhere. But it's it's really a teamwork and it was done well, me in Milan and them in London. But so when when I got the chance to go there, they they invited me there, and I spent uh, one hour or something uh, in Soho Square with, uh, uh, with with the team, and we talk, and we 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 had a, we had a coffee together, and we we were seated in the third floor, which is the floor when uh, where they have the meetings with Paul himself. So we we chat, and it was a it was a another another big moment, Sam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you try not to be jealous i'm trying to be a good person but there's i'm feeling very green with envy right now i must say no, don't do it don't do it um <laughs> did you see the statue from the wings greatest album cover was that still in the npl office i can't really remember oh, okay i remember the chair which is uh on the memory almost full cover oh chair. wow okay so at some point I went in, and uh, and the secretary tells me, "Okay, you can have a seat." I had my seat, and then I I just looked on my right and said, what, "What's this chair?" I said, "Oh, that's a chair on the cover of the cover oh. of Memory Almost Full." You know, there's a lot of things there. It was I, I can't I can't really describe the mood. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I just imagine like you look over to to the right, and there's that door into space from the back from the back to the egg cover and you turn over away and there's the plane from wings over america you know it's all there it's all there folks that that's my journey oh my god that's so cool (laughs) again again i don't know how to how to respond to that i really don't that is a lot more than i was expecting oh my god oh I mean, I'd have so many questions. I'd, my eyes would just constantly be scanning, just trying to, like, I'd be walking around trying to remember everything and catalogue it all. Is Paul coming today? You'd have to ask that, you know, you'd have to just slip that one in there. Oh, did you get the box? Did they give you the box? Yes, yeah. I get, they, they sent me, they sent me the oh. box, yeah. <laughs> oh, With a uh, very nice, uh, very nice dresser, uh, but they sent me the box, yes. That's excellent. That's excellent. So I was, I was, uh, I must admit that uh, over these days, uh, you know, uh, just before Christmas, you know, you start uh, uh, being nervous uh, because uh, if something happens on the way, you know, <laughs> but, but fortunately everything went for the best and I have received it uh, in, uh, I think, one or two days before the official release. 
something like that. Awesome. Have you managed to play every single one from it? I doubt few people have. No, not not yet. Uh, <laughs> not yet. I got. Uh, I was uh, really um, in the final stages of of this new book. I got so many things to do mm-hmm. at uh, at that time. So no, but I, I will take my time. Uh, to play everything. <laughs> well, that makes sense as well because only half of that box set will be relevant to the book that you have just been writing. Hmm, wait, hang on. What's that? It's time for some housekeeping. Yes, folks, we're trying something a little bit different with this week's housekeeping segment. Usually, it's at the start of the show and I do feel like it slows things down and maybe alienates a lot of new listeners by like bogging them down in the nitty-gritty workings of the podcast and so let's experiment with it and put it in just before the main bulk of the content you know me and Luca have just discussed all of the stuff except the book now we're going to discuss the book so there usually is that breakdown you know like say if there's going to be like an album chat with Ken Michaels me and Ken will have a chat for a bit and we'll talk about the album so housekeeping will come in that slot there let's see if it works and do drop me an email to, to let me know your thoughts and all that. But let's see if we can hook some more people in this way. But yeah, on to this week's news. Just a couple of quick entries here. The first one, the main body one, uh, we've had the recent performance of The Music of Paul McCartney, or more specifically, Michael Dorf presents The Music of Paul McCartney, which was a charity concert that took place at Carnegie Hall a few days ago on Wednesday the 15th of March 2023. Dorf has been presenting The Music of series at Carnegie Hall for about 18 years now. Previous tributes have included Carly Simon, Prince, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin, Van Morrison, R.E.M. and David Byrne. And the whole thing is about raising money for various underserved youth programs and charities, specifically a lot of music-based ones. And this time around, paying tribute to Paul, we had Nancy Wilson, Christopher Cross, Denny Lane, Hamilton Lighthouser, The Resistance Revival Chorus, Graham Nash, Bruce Hornsby, Natalie Merchant, Sammy Ray, Jonathan Russell, Lake Street Dive, Alison Russell, Betty Levette, Peter Asher, Ingrid Michelson, Glenn Hansard, Lyle Lovett, The Cactus Blossoms, and Shovels and Rope. Now, from what I can tell, this show went down a storm, and so far it has raised $1.6 million for the respective charities, which is awesome. But I also don't want to talk much more about it because I'm kind of planning on doing a cheeky little gig review episode with a guest rather soon. So keep your ears to the floor with that one. So I will just move right on to the other point of news this week. And it's nothing in particular. It's more just murmurings and rumblings. Basically, Paul McCartney's website urged anyone and everyone in, I think, well, I'm I'm guessing it was in the UK. Uh, I can't speak for people in other countries, but I certainly got asked both via email and it was on Twitter and Instagram to sign up for Paul McCartney's like newsletter or like to make sure you're one of the friends of Paul again, like the last time around. What last time around am I on about? Folks, to me, 
it feels like Paul might be gearing up for a tour in the UK or maybe like a tour of Europe that includes the UK that might make a bit more sense but yeah something's coming something good I really feel like we might get a few shows with McCartney especially if this is one of his supposed last tours final tours he might go to a few more venues like back in the 93 tour here's me hoping for Birmingham but yeah That's all there really is to report, folks. Murmurings, rumours. Something might be happening, something big with Paul in the near future. Let's hope. And now that we're done with news stories, it's time to just quickly go through the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartypod at gmail.com. I always love reading out your correspondence here on the show, no matter how tangentially related it is to Paul McCartney or the podcast itself. Uh, Future topics that are coming out on the podcast that you might want to maybe think about. Uh, we're going to be doing concert for George. I've got uh, the Five and Rushes in development, Run Devil Run, the 1999 Cavern gig. You know, there's lots of exciting things happening, folks. If you've got any opinions on them, email in at paulmccartneybiolet at gmail.com and share your thoughts. Follow us on our Twitter page and get in direct contact, which is at McCartneyPod. For bonus Paul or nothing written content, go and check out the blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the place where you can find our sister show, Macca in Your Attic, our memorabilia side show. If you love Paul or Nothing, you should definitely go and check that out. It's called Macca in Your Attic. The majority of the guests have all been on the podcast, of course, but there are a few unique faces there, so I do urge you to go and check that out. And finally, if you want to help out the show, uh, first of all, you can do so in a way that takes less than 30 seconds. You can just quickly leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, whether it's likes, thumbs up, stars, smiley faces, a comment, a share. Um, you know, maybe you could post us on a Facebook group or a Reddit page, something like that. Anything you can do, even introducing us to a friend personally, just to spread the love and get me in as many ears as possible. I know I'm not as marketable as many other Beatles podcast folks, but I'm sure you all know someone who would enjoy this type of show. The same kind of weird as you, you know? <laughs> You can also help out directly if you want to help see the show grow. If you, if you want to support me directly and financially, then you can go to our Patreon page. Of course, Patreon, as you know, is the platform by which you, the public can support independent content creators such as myself. But it's not just a gimme. You get two days early access to all episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get a week's early access to new episodes of Macca in your attic. You get instant access to the Paul or Nothing video feed. So anything I do on Zoom or Skype immediately gets recorded and uploaded. Like I did something with Dylan CV like over a week ago, and that's not going to be coming out for well over a month, folks. So there's some that's three hours of content there. But yeah, all the video is unedited and uploaded immediately. So not only do you get stuff that isn't going to be featured in the final podcast, but you also get to see my lovely mug. You get access to Uh, All the scripts and notes that I use for the show, lost and unreleased episodes of Paul or Nothing, as well as the unique and exclusive Patreon vlog. There's like 20 of them now, so if you want 20 bonus exclusive episodes of Paul or Nothing that you can't get anywhere else, go and check out our Patreon page, folks, you know. I know things can be a bit rough right now, so I do try and give you your money's worth with the Patreon 
So if you like the show, if you like what I'm doing, please go and check it out and join the wonderful Paul or Nothing family. A family of people including Isabella Diaz, Stephanie Bradley, Louis Overberg, John Carp, Brian Brigman, Annie McNeil, Percy Thrillington, David Stabersky, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Broderick Harper, Chris Atkinson, Mr. B, Richard Biddington, Teresa Brader, Stuart Cook, Cheryl McCoy, Lou DiLonardo, Robert Carabelli, Warren Butson, Cheryl McCoy, and my man, Matt Phillips. Right, folks, this is the end of our first experimental mid-housekeeping segment. I hope it wasn't too long. I hope you are excited for the next portion of the show, because we are now going to be going into the book, Paul McCartney, Music Is Ideas, with my man, Luca Perazzi. Let's just jump right back in. One, two, three, let's go. And let's press on to... Music is ideas, the stories behind the songs, volume one, 1970 to 1989. And uh, your first book, Paul McCartney, The Recording Sessions, that was published on January 1st, nine, uh, uh, 2013. It was, it in... was published in October oh. 2013. Yeah. That, oh, that October. Is, uh, uh, my, official to me. 22 October 2013. Bloody <laughs> Google, I'm furious. Oh, it's, oh. It's, my, it's my son, so I know everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I might even edit a me doing that question again differently later, stitch that together. <laughs> but yeah, it's been 10 years since, since your last Paul McCartney book. Yeah. So how long was it before you knew that you were going to be writing about Paul McCartney again? When when did the idea start percolating? I think around uh, 2017, I started thinking about the fact that, uh, okay, I had done this recording session which was successful and everything, but I thought that we still were missing a song-by-song book on Paul's discography because recording sessions was organized by recording date. It did not include songs by other authors, covers and stuff, so I wanted to do the complete book on Paul Paul's discography. So that that was uh, 2017. So I started putting together pieces in a, in a different way. So not going um, with this recording date uh, uh, flow, but by release date. Uh, so step by step, I put together this book, and it was released first in Italian in May 2022. Yeah. So then I took my time to to have a an English. Well, not really a translation this time, because the other thing that, that worried me, it was that uh, in the case of recording sessions, it was quite hard to find a good translator from Italian to English. So this time uh, I went for another another approach. So I sent my English text and that was uh, edited, corrected and stuff by this guy called Steve Lambley, which is uh, also a, a Beatles author. And we we know since uh, way back, I think, uh, since when my book uh, was out in 2013. And so we got a quite a, yeah, a good relationship. Uh, so we worked together on this. And so I think that that is another strength of, uh, of the new book, which is, is written in proper English. Let me say the other one was quite a translation, which in spots were, was not... Uh, Perfect. So I wanted to do something more professional in this uh, in this case. And uh, the first one was a homemade uh, thing. This for this thing we have involved 
Steve, we have involved another professional studio for the cover. The inner are well, uh, well done. So I think there's uh, many aspects uh, for this book that I wanted to, uh, to take care of compared to the other. So yeah, there was a uh, five days in, in a planning and, and doing a lot of things, other things at the same time. But yeah, the first idea was, uh, I had was uh, in 2017. Was there ever a temptation to basically just kind of redo or like update or rewrite recording sessions? Um, well, when 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 you know, what, was it always the the idea for it to be a new format and a new concept rather than just a re-update of an old work? Yeah, I think uh, I think at the time I have interviewed, for example, so many people, and obviously this kind of information have been retained. In this book, it, it made no sense to to throw uh, everything away because it's a new book. No, some parts are are in, but the the general structure of the new book is different. So yeah, I, I have thought for for some years to do a part two, doing an update. Then I thought, yeah, maybe with the right structure, this thing could have a more exposure could have a wider audience and stuff so it was it was it was a successful book uh, but uh, i think uh, with a title stories behind the songs uh, it gives you it gives you maybe a better idea what's what's in the book so i think in the end i i, I thought that was uh, the best thing it was to take uh, some parts from recording session put them in but rewrite quite everything and but retaining the good the good uh, parts i mean there are some uh, song entries which were quite good uh, also in uh, recording uh, sessions so in this case we didn't we didn't change that much but we enriched them we we have um, in the meantime new information you know the archive collection uh, that were out in the meantime mm-hmm. there were there was a, a nice book by Paul Neuer conversations with McCartney with uh, with some other information in the lyrics is quoted as well in this new book. So yeah, in the end, uh, I think this this new structure and new format is uh, is the best. No, I like me. that. Yeah, we have had new sources out. We have had uh, new product out as well. So, I mean, folks, I know that this new book. Paul McCartney Music Gets Ideas, the stories behind the songs, volume one, is essentially going to be replacing Paul McCartney, the, 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 the recording yeah. sessions. But I still, I I know you're not here to do this, but I will still say to people, go out and buy this as well. Additionally, <laughs> if you haven't read this, like, you know, this is like The Hobbit. This is Lucas The Hobbit. And then Music Is Ideas is his Lord of the Rings. I think that's a fair, that, that's a, a fair comparison. You know, this is... This is slightly simpler, slightly, slightly, slightly more limited. And then you've, folks, I mean, just a size comparison. I mean, it's hard with my, my zoom on, but, you know, one is significantly bigger than the other. Yeah. There's so much in here. There is absolutely loads. Oh, gosh. I've, I mean, I've barely gotten through it. You know, I'm about, I'm, I'm about just over two-fifths of the way through, shall, shall we say, but... My God, it is so great to have your writing back in my life again. You know, we've been lacking in concrete, definitive McCartney 
song analysis since your last book and you know you've come back with a, a, a true force and every single track that I've read so far has just the best sources the best quotes the best uh, explanations about it all the detail and info is there it truly is spectacular I mean from someone who cannot speak any other language and barely read any other any other language it is translated perfectly. There have been no mistakes that I've seen so far. The, the writing feels as good as it ever has. But I was very uh, surprised when I when, when I first saw an image of the book to see that that volume one part, nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty nine. How far into this epic were you before you realised this isn't going to work as one book? I'm going to have to split this in two. <sighs> Quite early because, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I knew that I wanted to go deeper. And so, um, well, I said, no, it's it, it doesn't make sense to squeeze everything in one volume. So I have uh, decided this, I think, I don't know, maybe it was, it was quite early. I can't really remember, but uh, at some point I said, well, let's do two volumes because that makes sense. Then... Uh, step by step, I, I thought about, uh, you know, a special cover uh, to add some photos and images which are, are, are in the book to enrich and and uh, mm -hmm. have uh, this book a little bit more engaging. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's good to have uh, images and uh, illustrations and, and photos as well, but not overlooking the, the text, which is uh, what we we care. So... Yeah, two volumes. I think in this case it's uh, it's a good one. I could have done even three, but I mean, then it it starts to be a little bit harder to follow. Two volumes, maybe it's the right uh, it's the right way. Now, something I love talking about with authors on this show is uh, it it's not specifically the stuff in the text; it's just how it's presented, the formatting. So. We have a few introductions at the start, and then literally we just go through Paul McCartney from 1970 to 1989. You get exactly what it says on the cover, folks. But you do kind of eras and album kind of session eras, and then you have additional songs and unreleased songs after each kind of main body of work. What process led you to being to presenting it in that way, where it was like kind of official songs, then additional songs, and then unreleased songs? Well, uh, in the case of McCartney discography, you can have different approaches uh, mm -hmm. because we all know, uh, and that was uh, uh, one uh, one thing uh, highlighted in the recording sessions book that Paul records a song now and then maybe after 20 years the song is out so the the best thing for me was to have uh, all the songs on an album and then adding these pieces that are all the songs from the session but just after the sessions that generated this album not scattered through the years otherwise you can lose your mind a little bit I mean in the case of Ram there are many songs that were released after in the um, twenty. Well, when there was the the archive collection out, and uh, but in this case, what, what do you do in the case of I don't know, uh, Hey Diddle or or uh, A Love for You? I mean, the the 
the best thing to me is uh, tackle this these songs at the end of uh, of, uh, of the album songs and uh, mm-hmm. so having a section called all the songs recording during the session and then the hardest part was to to fill this and this gap and and having uh, another little section which is called another no, all the songs from the period which mm-hmm. you have to you know to insert this song in the place which it makes more sense but i think it's the best way to you know to present all this uh, these tracks to people and then as a last touch i have decided to to add 50 unreleased songs we all know mm-hmm. that paul has a, an incredible catalog but also has an incredible catalog of unreleased songs so i think this is the first time that uh, there are unreleased songs in a book which have a uh, dedicated sheets which present also a little bit of analysis and stories behind these songs where is possible but i think it's a nice uh, it's a nice addition to to the release material so much of the cold cut stuff i guess so much of it is based on hearsay and rumor like not you know none of it comes from paul himself except maybe like the odd quote about water spout or something like that like where where do you go to even find decent information on that do you have to go you know is it do you have to judge what's valid or not like because like i remember hearing like something like boil crisis for example Mm -hmm. like some people say it's about an oil it's based on an oil crisis in a newspaper you saw but then i've also heard that it's also like about stella having acne on her face but i couldn't find that source either you know was there a difficulty in sourcing unreleased songs over stuff that you can find on the Paul McCartney project.com or Beatles Bible.com, you know? Yeah, sure. In the case of unreleased, uh, it's more difficult. It was more difficult. That means that in some cases there, there's, there's not, not maybe not many sources uh, available. So I have uh, done whatever was possible. Well, you, you have quoted, uh, mentioned uh, Boy Crisis. That's one of the songs that, Paul I've talked about so that's that's mm-hmm. a specific uh, quote from him there were some uh, nice uh, recording dates in the in the updated uh, edition of uh, A Time to Hold You which is a uh, uh, one of the most incredible sources yeah. that we have so I, I was able to update a bit also relying on uh, on these sources but then I think well choosing uh, 50 it was my choice the 50 songs that I have chosen. But I think that we are not missing many others because uh, in some cases we only have the title. And so if we don't have had uh, the song out on bootlegs or YouTube or stuff, it would be hard, you know, not knowing the song to tell something about it. So in this case, there are maybe titles uh, only mentioned. Uh, but in, this, in the case of the 50 song entry, uh, which are unreleased, there are details as much as possible. I mean, the, the, everything that was uh, that was available, I have um, I have put uh, it in the book. So I think it's uh, it's a nice thing. 
No, uh, in your introduction, you talk about how you've tried to uh, remove as much personal opinion yeah. as possible from the book. And I think the closest we get to your personal opinion is what those 50 unreleased songs are. I think that's the closest we get to inside the the uh, person's personal choices of Luca Barraza. Yeah, I think this is the, another big difference uh, compared to, to recording sessions, which was maybe not that filled with my assessment but there were there were it's way closer to revolution in the head than yeah. this is yeah def yeah definitely yeah so so in this case i thought after after many years of uh being a super fan of paul and stuff i said well but i mean paul mccartney is, is it's not it's not to me to assess his music it's it's for my private joy and stuff otherwise uh, the, the the risk is that you you put out a book and say uh, in every page you say that uh, something is great or extraordinary and stuff. So you you use all this uh, this uh, these things to describe the songs, or you just said what you think about it. And my aim was just to say the stories behind the song. So Luca is is not important in this case. My opinion is not important. Then we can talk about it. I mean. In interviews and stuff, if you ask me, what's your favorite song and stuff, I can tell you. But this book does its work, I think, uh, when uh, you stay out of these things as an author. So my aim as an author is that just to present the facts as much as possible, to have the sources all there, and, and that's it. You know, then sometimes there's, there's something like, I don't know, maybe... I have spent some more words on maybe I'm amazed, something like that. <laughs> and that's it. No, um, it must be quite liberating, actually, as a writer to actually know what you have a definite rule about what you can't do. And so that means it must be much more, much more easier to focus on what you are doing, I guess. And uh, yeah. that, that, that must speed up the, the uh, writing process. Because you can definitely go off, you know, an opinion can be much longer than the facts. As it as it uh, happened as well. You're right. So, how long did it take to write from start to finish? How long did it take to get to work complete? Uh, it's always difficult because, uh, as I told you, some parts were were taken from uh, recording sessions and maybe rewritten and stuff like that. Some new parts were added, like in the case of new interviews that I have done uh, in the in subsequent years. Uh, some other parts were were conceived in uh, 2015, 16. Well, it's really I, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you, but I can tell you roughly that um, for this English thing, maybe it took at least a couple of years, two to three years, to put together and to correct and to and to redoing the structure and stuff. It, it, it takes time. It takes time. Then. Uh, and maybe you, you you discover something new, and then you have to say, oh, "Okay, right." So I have to do this. Then you, you I spoke with with journalists and friends and say, "Okay, what do you think about it? Uh, what, what do you think about this structure? About this title? About this? These things are quite are quite fun to do. Hearing uh, people's feedback. One was about, for example, about the, the title, music is the ideas." Then we, we can talk a little bit about uh, this additional thing that I have put. Because the, the first idea was to, to, to call it Paul McCartney, all the songs. 
Then I was thinking about Paul McCarthy, the stories behind all the songs. And then he said, well, I want to add something. And I got this title, which was Music is Earlier Since Way Back. And it was one of the first ideas, even for recording sessions. I can't remember. And so maybe we can disclose that this Music is Ideas is taken from wait no that's from wait it's taken from yeah talk more talk yeah exactly yes oh, which in turn as paul said is is based on 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 a quote by tom waits so i don't know if it's a it's a process of quoting and quoting <laughs> well anyway it's it's a concept that uh, that has a standalone meaning you know music is ideas i mean for me it's it means a lot of things, but it applies perfectly to Paul's music. But then the mm-hmm. content is the source behind the song. I think it adds uh, more personality, let me let me say, to the book. And uh, in this case, there was a, a journalist friend of mine that said, no, I don't like it. Uh, you, you take it out and, and just call it the source behind the song. But then I got uh, other meetings with, um, with other friends uh, and they were enthusiastic about it. I said, no, 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 you have to use it. The music is so good, it's so good. So in the end, I was, I was, I was keen on it. So in the end, I said, okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I will go for it. Paul McCartney, music is ideas. The soul is behind the songs. And that's it. Now, I mean, if I, like, I've been talking about it with friends, I've just been calling it music is ideas. I feel like the stories behind the songs, volume one, 1979, that's a cataloging title thing but the thing i call it is music because that is just a good hook it, you know it, yeah. it it draws you in i i feel because it's one of those ones where if someone just walks past it and read it they'll go oh yeah music is ideas and then you know it's one of those things that'll <laughs> help him pick up pick up pick up the book so uh, when peter jackson made the lord of the rings he was making part one and part two at the same time would you notice that this was going to be split into two parts did you completely put off working on part two and focus on part one or have you been working on both parts and uh, part two is nearly completed already or are you going to now start writing part no, two? I have uh, I have done uh, a lot of the work for part two but uh, un- until I have finished this I did not uh, really touch part two but I, I got a lot of material that I have you know gathered through the years mm-hmm. so so far, it's in a good shape, uh, Volume 2, but it will take uh, some more time because I'm adding interviews and stuff. Part 2 could be a little bit harder compared to Part 1 because at some point, as we know, Paul started recording basically at Hog Hill Mill. So, well, information about the recordings there are not easy to find. So, mm-hmm. probably... I will uh, keep the same structure to volume two. Maybe the, you know, the text within the songs could be a little bit different. Maybe I will focus a little bit more on the structure of the songs, on, uh, you know, little technical details uh, without being too technical, but mm-hmm. focusing on, on what Paul is doing within the songs because it's uh, it proves that this man is capable to do incredible things when it comes to shaping a song, structuring a song. There are so many surprises even in the in the recent uh, 
years. So if it comes to maybe uh, lacking some details or about uh, coding dates and stuff, that would be something more about this aspect. But I think it's it's interesting because there's basically nothing out there uh, about our recent output. So it's interesting also for me as a researcher to focus even on, on, the, on the more recent material. So very happy. Let's talk the business of publishing here. How do your publishers feel about the fact that Paul could release something at any moment, like he could just drop an album that we didn't know he'd been recording, and now you've got to take yeah. a couple of months maybe to incorporate that properly? Are they prepared to delay part two to accommodate stuff? Or is it like, look, Luca, I don't care if he releases that musical or that Netflix animation soundtrack. Um, you are only going up to McCartney 3, for example. Well, it, it's something in the middle. I mean, uh, uh, there's no strict plan like, uh, okay, we got to have uh, this uh, publishing date uh, at all costs. So who knows what's going to happen in 2023. Hopefully there will be a new album. I don't know. There will be this high in the clouds. I don't know. So we can wait. We can definitely wait. But we are aware that being McCartney active, we cannot really chase every single step. Okay, mm. So it's, it's impossible. McCartney is active, is doing music, is recording, is, uh, is doing a lot of projects. So, but at some point, you got to decide. I say, okay, now I'm going out with this book. Then who knows? There will be two more archives this year. I don't know. And what, what if what if we have uh, in uh, in in this year? What if we have London Town or or Back to the Egg? Uh, I cannot I cannot really rewrite everything. I think the mm-hmm. uh, the main bulk of his uh, of his uh, production is in this book. So then there could be maybe Water Spout at some point will uh, will turn into a release song. Now it's into into the unreleased section, but at some point it will be a release song. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think the the focus of the book is okay. Uh, let's put all the songs together in this kind of book. The stories behind the songs, because there's nothing out there built like this, and that's that's the main uh, thing I wanted to do. Offer a book that talk about. All these songs, because there's nothing structured like this. There's nothing. There's still nothing, and it's very detailed. So I think there's a, a couple of books out there, but uh, they are not. They are not so detailed. This is uh, 542 pages, which quite it's uh, chunky, though. It's quite a good like, size. Yeah. So that's it. To, oh, it's got girth to it, folks. hundred percent. hundred percent. And. Uh, Luca, just going back to the archive collections, with the way they've been releasing it, I feel like it's good. Back to the Egg and London Town will be the final release, and I think Off the Ground is most likely the next one. I think he's going to keep teasing the Wings fans. I um, saw something, but um, I must tell you, I don't know nothing about, mm-hmm. about it. Uh, I don't have any information. And I must tell you, even though, even if I had information, I would not disclose any information. 
<laughs> well, Luca, <laughs> if, if 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 there's if I suddenly see an Italian copy of London Town and Back to the Egg translated versions <laughs> on eBay tomorrow, I'm going to be very upset that you yeah. withheld the information from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but we we all we we all are waiting for. For something, but I don't know. Uh, that there is, I think, a release date or something like that for High in the Clouds. So probably there will be. A- is there? I think so. I can't. I'm not really sure. I read. I read something about a release date of the movie, like uh, I don't know, maybe July or something. But it was out uh, a couple of months ago or something. So let's see, because it was uh, it was delayed for quite some time, so I don't know if it's true or not. I, I, I can't really remember. Let's see. I'm really looking forward to that because I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling, that's a bad pun, I've got a feeling that we're going to get some of the Rupert the Bear album in High in the Clouds. It feels like McCartney's going to use these songs that he's had for an animated feature and finally get them out there, you know, like um it could be. I'd love to I'd love to hear C or something like that. You, you know, you could definitely put C in a high in the clouds movie. Oh yeah. Hey, it could be. It could. We might Tropic Island Home might just be in the middle of this film. You never know. We'll just get Tropic Island Home again. Great song, by the way. I it's uh Yes. It's a great song. Yeah. Oh no. It's I feel like McCartney's children's songs get a bad rap and they're actually some of his best. You know, all the way back to All Together Now, Mary Had a Little Lamb. These are some of his best tunes, in my opinion, because they achieve what they set out to do. Yeah. Arguably more successfully, like, you know, they're more successful as children's songs than I've Had Enough is a rocker, for example. You know, they they actually do it. I've got mad respect for them. But uh, I'm glad you like Tropic Island Home. I really am. Of course, there was... A lot of new information. You've mentioned new interviews and stuff like that. What was that like? What was were there any highlights about learning from McCartney stuff in the last ten years that you were excited to put in the book? Well, I think the the major addition is uh, an interview I have done with uh, this uh, in- sound engineer, which is called Tom Anderson. That was a assistant engineer to Geoff Emerick in the Virgin Island mm. when they recorded London Town. And so it's a very detailed song-by-song uh, song, uh, account with a lot of information there. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, that that that, that was a, a nice a nice thing to add. Another, it's a sh- shorter, but another good thing that I was able to add was an interview with uh, David Bromberg. Great guitarist, yeah. I won't. I won't disclose uh, anything about it because it's uh, for the reader. It's, it's good to to in the book, folks. These little things, yeah. So I think uh, that there are there are a lot of things uh, uh, also um, which are not based on my interviews, but they were out only through the archive collections. Maybe we we think that he. Deluxe edition of the archive collection are widely available, or anyone can afford this. Probably it's not the case. So there, there's a lot of information taken from the archive, the deluxe box set, which is in the book. 
and so it's it's a way to to make this information available to a a wider audience i think so there's a lot of things there's really a lot of things so as as we were saying at the beginning uh, there are cover songs so there's a russian album there's uh, also songs are written by Danny Lane, songs written by Jim McCulloch, everything is. Mm-hmm. So I've learned I've learned a lot. I can't tell you how much, but I've learned a lot. So the good thing when you write a book is not that you are teaching, but it's that you are learning. You're learning yourself. No, but I remember one of the questions I asked you 73 years ago or whenever we spoke about recording sessions was why isn't there Danny Lane songs in there? And I remember we, we uh, spoke we uh, spoke about that that back then. Go and listen to the episode if you haven't already, folks. But I was very happy to see all of that in there. I mean, at some point you have to stop and not include everything. Like you know, I mean, I'm sure you've been through Momax Hidden Tracks volumes one through 30 that 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 huge collection of yeah. bootlegs that none of us have ever illegally downloaded ever we just know of its existence folks yeah exactly. but there's so many tracks on there and if you did a book that say included every single mix of a song like you know there's like eight different versions of pretty little head out there for for example you are just gonna completely well, flood the reader yeah. Did did you have to did you have to kill any darlings? I guess in this, did you have to cut anything? Because because it's big, it, it doesn't feel like anything's been cut. I mean, uh, each song has got uh, every possible variation listed, if it's official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I have uh, added a an introduction a box uh, as an introduction, which says, okay, recording date location so the studio where it was recorded there's the, the producer or the the engineer uh the live versions officially released the alternate versions officially released so i try to to put everything just because i wanted also the book serving as a sort of guide to anyone who wants to discover all these things it's it's hard to track to track everything. It's hard to include everything, but I did my best uh, not to leave out uh, any major things uh, when it comes to variation and stuff. I think um, the officially released uh, are there. Probably there's some promo stuff which was not worth or something, but I think all the variations uh, released are, are are in the book. Are listed in the book. Oh no no! Definitely, every version of Uela Soleil is in there in excruciating yeah. detail, folks. <laughs> it's like ninety-two pages on every single variation <laughs> on that song. I mean, again, a rather dull question, but something that I'm personally interested. In. Obviously, the book is physically bigger. When does that come into the process? Did you know that you were going to print something a bit? Because obviously, this is going to cost more to print. Like, did you know you were going to print something a little bigger so you knew you could write more? Or were you still trying to be as economic in your writing as as possible? No, I mean, at some point, uh, uh, we tried to convert the text that I have written into the same format of uh, recording sessions. And it was something like uh, 700 pages, which is 
I mean, it was uh, even even more. I can't really remember. So I said, well, okay, let let's go for a bigger format, which I think it's uh, good. That was one reason. The other reason was that uh, I thought that this format, which is very similar to the lyrics, well, makes this book like a companion. Uh, I had one suggestion at some point to call the book the music. <laughs> but I said, well, I don't. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't great. want to. I didn't want to. You know. I don't know, take advantage of the fact that maybe someone could think about this as an official thing. I, I don't know. So I need to take a photo to see if they're the same size. I really hope they are, because if they are, I'm putting them on the shelf next to each other. That that would be perfect. Oh my gosh. So the the yeah, the the format is very similar to to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So and it's this is more focused on the music. So it's it's a sort of compendium to that. So that was another another of the key reasons why we went for this format something i appreciate as well is that you really go into detail at the very start of your book about the five main aspects of that you're going to go through in the book Mm -hmm. which are like you know lyricism and instrumentation and all the all 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 the aspects you would expect from a good analysis of paul which it is did you always know you were going to break down the text in this way or did that kind of come about naturally no, no. I think the aspects that you are talking about that I have uh, that, that I'm talking in the introduction uh, were written after. So I think uh, mm-hmm. it's. I didn't want to be very, you know, rigid in the structure of the songs and said you find uh, all uh, this the same structure within mm-hmm. each song. Uh, I want to be a little bit more free to but yeah there's there's a uh, there's similarities in the way they are they are built but not not in a rigid mm. in a rigid way i think it, it, the book should be should be something enjoyable to read so i i, I don't want to follow strictly uh that particular structure for each song well i think it's uh, it's uh, it's built yeah. uh in a clear way, and you can follow the specific things I want to 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 say very easily. I do like it though. How like 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 you mentioned earlier, a song like maybe I'm, I'm amazed is quite a bit longer than a lot of the other songs. And then some songs might just be half a page. You might get two songs or even three titles on a single page. It's just here's a couple of things about them. And I do like that. It's not like you're not completely bound. Like I must write an A4 about each song individually because. You know, sometimes there's how much can you write about bogey wobble, for example? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, at some point you have to to cut yourself. Probably, if I I wanted to be even more specific on the structures of the song and and highlighting uh, some very technical stuff, I could have had uh, something like other fifty to 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 seventy pages, but. Then it's, I don't know if it's the case. I mean, there's a, uh, there's everything you can desire in the book to really understand, appreciate even more McCartney's music. Look, I, I, I just want to take five seconds just to say how much I've been enjoying this book. I, I really just want people to know that I have quite a lot of authors on this, on, on this podcast. And a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the time I'm kind of done with the book after the interview and sometimes I even attempt to go back to a book 
I I know that I'm going to completely de- like this is going to be in my bedroom next to my toilet next to my main chair for the rest of the year. I'm gonna, like because you know this is this is the Paul, the solo Paul McCartney revolution in the head, folks. I, that is the best way to put it. I don't want to just just compare you to another author, but in terms of references that people will understand immediately. This is solo Paul McCartney revolution in the head, not in terms of opinions and that kind of thing, but in terms of just everything you need to know about every single song that you need to know about is included in this book. It is absolutely fantastic. I am so, I'm so infatuated with it. I really, I really am, dude. I'm besotted with this, with this text. I love, I love smelling it. I love touching it. I love feeling it. It's absolutely brilliant. It really is. There's a, there's a couple of things that maybe it's worth to add. Uh, the first is there's a, that's a prologue in the book, which is uh, covers the years just before McCartney. Yeah. So there's a little prologue, which is uh, 15 to 18 pages, which basically is about the last years of the Beatles. So it's a, it's a really a sum up of what happened uh, during the last uh, two years and a half uh, within the Beatles, which is interesting to me because it's, you know, it, it allows you to to go into the McCartney album with the background of what happened before. Otherwise, it would have been a little bit strange, even though we all know what happened before. But it's good to have a prologue. The other thing that I have, uh, I think the readers can appreciate and it was not my idea, so I'm giving full credit to Steve Lambley again because <laughs> he, he had uh, he had this idea to put the footnotes on the side of the page, so you can have. Oh my the- god! I love that part of the book. I yeah, yeah, yeah that's so. Oh, oh my god! So again, for people for people at home, just here in in the margins. Yeah, I've always loved that. It was a correct, well done for going with his suggestion, Luca. Because it, no, Steve, Steve suggested to me, and I said yes. You're, you're. It's a great thing. So we we had uh, we had a look of uh, at the book with uh, with the footnotes placed on the on the on the side of the page, and it worked perfectly. It worked perfectly. I think it's it's a it's a nice idea. So yeah, that's another thing that that makes the book enjoyable. I think. Yeah. It, the flow's a lot better when you don't have to see 12 different sources quoted at the bottom of every page. You can kind of just continue your reading. Like you do have to strike a balance between something that's very academic and learned, but something that flows and reads and you do strike that balance in this book. This is a fun read, you know, folks, I'd argue that um, this is probably, you know, I mean, you mentioned earlier you want to, to to be more universal, I guess, and reach a wider audience. And this definitely does. It does appeal more to the casual Paul McCartney fan. I think recording sessions, even its title hints that it is for the more diehard yeah. McCartney yeah. McCartney fan. And this is definitely yeah. the title. The title was a little bit esoteric, <laughs> you know. And this title, but this this doesn't mean that this. Uh, well, this book is even more detailed than recording sessions. So this this book is even more detailed. But I think with the right title, you can appeal maybe even some more people. And so that's it. But but it's more detailed. 
So I'm I'm, I'm very happy because uh, it's not something that is aimed at the casual fan in in the sense that uh, it's not that detailed. There are a lot oh, of no, details. No, I would not. No, no, no. I, I understand I, what, I what you mean. I, I understand what you mean. And so that that's a, that's a right balance to mm-hmm. find a, a good structure, a good title, but the content stays very detailed. That's a, that's a thing. And if anyone out there thinks that uh, the title "Paul McCartney Music Is Ideas: The Stories Behind the Songs, Volume One, Nine Seventy Nine Eighty Nine, is a long title, well, actually, no. The title for Lucas' first book. Paul McCartney, Recording Sessions, 1969-2013. A journey through Paul McCartney's songs after the Beatles. You forget about that bit. There's an entire sentence after the uh, title. So so your next book, uh, Luca, will probably just be called Paul McCartney Music. Yeah, like the uh, like uh, the one you, you uh, su- su- suggested. Not even the music, just music. Yeah, it, it's always uh, uh, difficult when you are going for a title because there's uh, a lot of ideas, uh, suggestions, and uh, you want to tell everything. The important thing is that you you, you address what's in the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, to to call the book only Paul McCarthy, Music is Ideas, then someone said, okay, but what, what, what's inside the book? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? So the stories behind the song is the explanation of what's inside, and, that, and that's it, I think. Do you ever just have a, a publisher saying, call it silly love songs or, you know, smoking <laughs> a cigar? Or yeah, but I mean, like no, fortunately, I, I got uh, I got some freedom uh, to decide these things. And so it's not. Uh, yeah, um, I wanted to ask you about that because it's not like you're a nobody in the Beatles publishing scene anymore. And the mm-hmm. first book was indeed a success. And amongst us fans, it is a household name. So did that afford you more freedom to make this more, would you, would, would, okay, let me rephrase it. Would you say that Paul McCartney music is ideas is more your vision than say the recording sessions was? Oh, it's, it's different because as I told you, that book was done based on uh, what I have gathered through the years when I was really young. And so, yeah, there was, uh, there was not uh, much, thought about it in in editorial terms this way we we had a we had a big effort uh on it and so yeah i was able to i was able to say uh, my my two cents <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, i was uh, i was definitely represents me uh 100% no question about it right we'll have one last question before we start wrapping things up but Rather than the book itself, I'd like to talk about a little quote from the book, uh, so that caught me, again, very early on in the text. And we were talking about how McCartney is competent on almost every instrument he's ever come across. Uh, in the Revolver box set, we've heard him, I think he was on either sitar or tempura with George. Like, this guy can play anything. And how his uh, instrumentation and his instruments are kind of purely functional when compared to the final song itself. The music is the most important thing, as you wrote. Yeah. Is this lack of, say, dedication to one instrument or one type of music, like, say, Clapton with guitar, mm-hmm. is that why he will never be, as he rightly should be called, the best? But he's, he'll always be the 32nd greatest guitarist, the mm. best bassist, the 14th best dr- you know, You know what I mean? He's never number one 
in anything. And yeah. that lends in that jack of all trades, master of none moniker. Is, yeah. is that fair? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, uh, yes, it's true uh, to some extent. I mean, uh, but Paul McCartney is number one for for everything else. I mean, uh, you, you don't have to be number one as a guitarist to be number one as a songwriter. You don't have to be number one piano player to be number one as a songwriter. And he's number one as a songwriter and an and author and stuff. It, no question about it. So, mm. I mean, who cares about about the fact that they are placing him? I don't know, maybe eleventh place uh, as a singer or, or uh, eighth place as a bass player. So, then tell me who is the other musician in the world who is capable to play guitar, piano, yeah. bass, and drums like Paul McCartney? There's no one. Yeah. You know, you take Elton John, he's a great pianist, obviously more accomplished than Paul because he's very technical, a lot mm-hmm. of things. Paul is a great pianist. It's not but Paul could actually, could actually play. Whereas Elton can't, you know, you're right. Yeah, so, but but then Elton doesn't play guitar, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a, Clapton is an incredible guitarist with, as a solo guitarist, as Probably am unparalleled as a got his style and McCartney can do a lot of great things with guitar, uh, but he's not recognized as Clapton. But I mean, it's 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 not his his aim to be the greatest guitarist, solo guitarist in the world. Because as you said, and as I, I am saying in this book, the music is a focus. So the song is a focus. So uh, if you if you think about wings, for example, and you think about the arrangements of the songs, okay, you got uh, this band, you got Linda on keyboards, you got Danny Lane and uh, and uh, Jim McCulloch, for example, on guitars, and then you got your drummer, you know, let's say Joe English, but then you look at uh, some of the great hits uh, that he had in the mid seventies. And where's the guitar in 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 silly love songs? There's no guitar there. You know, it sounds unfair, maybe to the guitarist, could be, but at the same time, it's it's the best choice. If a guitar is not needed, you don't put it in a song. That's uh, that's for me uh, what makes Paul the greatest. The fact that even in Wings, and you got an established band establish a classic form of a band so bass two guitars drums and keyboards but then you you know uh, you look at the arrangements and there are different from song to song so you don't need to 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 have two guitars all the time or keyboards all the time maybe linda was on uh, on um, i don't know percussion on tambourine uh, maybe Jimmy McCulloch uh, could have played bass or, or, or Danny Lane could have played bass. So that's not common. And I think that's one of the strengths of McCarthy's music and and about his skills about uh, as an arranger. I mean, there's, there's no one can can do the, the things that this man can do. That's my take. 
it's finally just settled in with me, Luca. Maybe it's the way you've just phrased it then, but every strength that McCartney has as a composer is a weakness for a band. Like it, you've really put the nail in the coffin for me that it is just the Paul McCartney band there. It really is because if if Paul cared about okay, well, I need to write because the 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 argument isn't that he's not inclusive and that he's leaving people out. He's writing songs fundamentally that aren't going to include a solo for the guitarist and a drum solo for the drummer. And they're great songs. And you will technically be the guitarist that was on Silly Love Songs, you know, good on you, Jimmy, but there's no soaring Brian May moment for you. And that would, that would be the correct complaint towards McCartney. It's, you know, it's clear that he's not writing songs for his bandmates. It's, yeah, well, if there's a part for you to play, (laughs) you can play on this, I guess. Um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, we could complain about that. I mean, I, I, I could complain about that and say that that's not a nice thing to do, but the, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? The results speak for themselves. Uh, we, we know that these were the right moves because these were all the great songs. You know, I'm not upset that Say You Don't Mind isn't on Wildlife, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, time, I, I guess. <laughs> you're perfectly right. Uh, the, the, the fact is that uh, if, if you're a songwriter and if you're a great songwriter, <laughs> like, um, like Paul McCartney is, you write uh, a song uh, for the song, not for a band or not mm-hmm. for an established instrumentation. There's a song which is only acoustic guitar. Because that's it, and this is not easy to to do. It seems easy because when when you when you hear a, a McCartney record, you say, oh, "Okay, this is an acoustic thing." But then you got to to decide that it's an an acoustic number, okay? It, because yeah. all of you all all the songs start on on guitar or, or piano, but then when it comes to the arrangement and you come comes to production, it comes to decide. What, what to do with this song. You have to be very clever and understand that, okay, this is the way I want this song to be on, on the record. Just acoustic guitar and, uh, I don't know, knee percussion. That's it. And uh, this variety is uh, it's, it's, it's another unparalleled thing, I think. Yeah, because even if he's writing a song with like one instrument. It's not like, I mean, like say with something like I'm carrying, it's not like Paul's going to be in the studio, just sat there with his hands clasped, letting Lawrence Juba do the do, 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 do. It's going to be still going to be Paul by himself doing it. Maybe Paul's only sin was mis-selling to the members of Wings what the gig was going to be. And maybe Denny should have been wise to it by the end, but well, I don't know. I mean, you can reward it in in many other ways, even even only for the fact that you are in a band with Paul McCartney. Well, no, I mean, like Denny just played a gig at Carnegie Hall the other night. Yeah. You, you know, it's not like he's faded into obscurity or anything, um, and then everyone else has basically ever been with him. You know, you either, you. you even if you don't have a solo career after, you're going in the all-star band with Ringo for a start. That's a gig for you. Chris uh, Chris Witten's still a session drummer. Like yeah, these people mm-hmm. are still have still got work. 
there's not a curse of wings. I'm glad. I'm glad there's not because that would definitely be be reported far too much on the internet if it, <laughs> if if it was true. But Luca, before I go off onto a massive di- uh, digression, let let me just once again thank you for this copy of Paul McCartney Music is Ideas. Let me show also my screen so it's uh, a little bit better. Yes. You have the background. Uh, okay, that's it. Uh, All right, there we go. Yeah. The Story Behind the Songs, Volume 1, 1970 to 1989. Oh, actually, just just, just quickly, uh, why 1989 specifically? Was that just a date thing or was that uh, a turning point to modern Paul versus old Paul? Yeah, I think it's a turning point because when he he came back uh, with uh, Paul McCartney World Tour, Mm. I think that was a a turning point for his career. So Mm. from, from that point on... He was free to rely on the on the Beatles on stage, and it. it I think it started a, a different era, so that's why I have decided to to break uh, this series in two parts. Uh, mm-hmm. And 1989 being uh, uh, the, the the last year of uh, of the first volume. Have you decided on the image for the second cover yet? No. No, not yet. See, because because you've got two options. You can either do '90s uh, Dad Paul, you know, in, in, in like his big waistcoat, or like you know, his ye- awful yellow Nebworth shirt, or something like, <laughs> like that. I feel like going old man Paul, like '80s onwards. I think that's a bit too obvious, but you don't want to go for the kind of uh, late 60s, 70s, where it's just the white shirt and the dungarees, you know, with him doing uh-huh. that. You've, you've got to find something. Because, like, I mean, as a as a fan of Paul McCartney photography, of course, I knew about this image. It's an iconic Paul, Paul one. You've got to find something equally as cool that hasn't been done. Yeah, it's not that, easy. That cover. Exactly. It's not easy. a pick. How? Uh, this is a photo, uh, as I, I told in, uh, in other interviews, by Clive Arrowsmith. And we know that yes. Clive Arrowsmith is the man who took the photo for Band on the Run. <laughs> so, I think he did like um, Wings at the Speed of Sound yeah, and exactly. Wings Greatest also, or something like that as well. Also, yeah. Off the Ground. Uh, he's taken the picture for Off the Ground as well. Yeah. And so it's not easy to find a, a picture uh, of this quality. So we will see, uh, we'll see in the future, which would be the next cover. <laughs> There we are. I just thought I just thought I'd be a, a little more appropriate there. Um, finally, I, I, I know we touched on this earlier. There's not an official date, but you're working on part two now, 1990, presumably to 2024. Well, I don't know. It depends. Uh, yeah. So far, it could be also until 2023, but it depends. It depends uh, uh, from many things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Really, it's it's too it's too early now to to tell. Probably twenty twenty three, but I mean, maybe we can add something for twenty twenty four. Who knows? Luca, I feel like you know when you mentioned earlier, you could have added an extra fifty to seventy pages of extra critical analytical stuff. I think you could definitely do some. This is just me as someone with a Patreon, just spitballing here. You could definitely write that and sell that through your own website or something. And I, I, I believe it wouldn't be a massive market, but I bet there are music heads out there, people who play instruments, would love to read yeah. that. 
Yeah, I think uh, this book is uh, it's interesting also for musicians. I think because there there are there is musical analysis uh, in, uh, so it's interesting also for musicians. But in the case of additional contents and stuff, we'll see. Maybe we can find some way to market this additional content on the website and stuff. Who knows? I just want more, Luca. I'm not trying to uh, create any demographic uh, disp- disparages or anything like that. This this is for everyone. This is for the, the casual McCartney fan and the learned one. Like, I'd like to think after five years of doing a Paul McCartney show, I know quite a lot about McCartney, especially up to 1989, especially this period that this book covers. Mm-hmm. And I learned stuff. I learned a lot, even just from the first sort of half of the book. So God knows what's in the second half. I'm, you know, I can't wait to get to the London town stuff, actually. I'm literally just approaching that. Yeah, folks, I cannot give a greater rec- uh, recommendation uh, for Paul McCartney, music is ideas. Uh, I mean, I know that uh, Paul McCartney, the recording sessions was very fundamental for this podcast. You know, as someone who, especially at that early phase before I had a lot of guests on the show, was going song by song by myself, having a book that basically did that. And, you know, what it, you know I don't copy from things. It, it showed me how you can talk about this kind of thing. It's a formative release when I was a young man. I can only imagine how young people today will be and how they will react and what fruits will be born from fandoms that benefit from this book. Paul McCartney, music is ideas. Folks, it is an absolutely, it's a mind-blowing book. It really is. And I would certainly recommend it over other Paul McCartney works that have come out in recent months as well. Uh, I knew Luca would smile when I said that. <laughs> Dude, finally, before we start, we know, uh, rap- we know what we're talking about. <laughs> no, but it's like when I talk about another Paul McCartney podcast that you went on recently. I don't name them by name, but we know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> are we joking? We're joking. <laughs> wait, wait. No, we, we were, we were uh, hit by by great new things recently. So I got to add my praise. <laughs> about oh, it <laughs> that's so funny uh before we start wrapping things up is there anything else you want to promote uh, and where can people find you and your work yada 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 etc et okay i got um i got a twitter page uh with my name so you can find me on twitter i got also an instagram page with my name um both addresses are are in the also shown in the book I got a I'll, Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll post them down below as well. I got a Facebook page with uh, Music is Ideas book mentioned, and that's the the channels uh, where people can find me now. So let's see if uh, there will be something more in the future. And there's a website which is uh, McCartney Dash Music is Ideas dot it. Even if it's not that, it'll be down below, and then and people okay. will know what to click. Uh, everyone, this has been our discussion of Paul McCartney, Music is Ideas, The Stories Behind the Song, Volume 1, 1970-1989. Our guest today has been Luca Percy. It has been a wonderful reunion here, and I have been so grateful for this chit-chat today. I hope you have enjoyed it as well. Peace and love, peace and love. Harry, Harry, Krishna. Verbal autographs. Play us out, Denny. Oh, 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 oh.
Benissimo. And so we're gonna, we want to hear song? you sing. One more song? One more song. Okay. Which is, il titolo è Listen to what the man said. Yes, well, luckily we learned it up and we know it, so we can sing it for you now. Thank you very much, everybody. Okay. Vicky is Paul McCartney. Okay.
Bravo, Paul, grazie. No, anch'io sono una grande amiatrice di Paul. E mi ero preparata, mi ero preparata a migliori domande. Paul, mi ero preparata davvero tantissime domande. Dice che per noi verrà senz'altro. Grazie Paul. Ok, we'll see you. Thank you for everything. Bye bye. Ciao Italia. Can I give you a kiss? Ciao Paul.